Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right. All right. So today we're going to talk about high school again. And a <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. High school again, an adult view of popularity. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Do you want <laughs> Do you want to go back to high school? No. <laughs> what about uh, what about middle school or any school? Um no. Uh, no. The, so <laughs> we did prepping for this episode. God, it was horrible. <laughs> do you do you, need, do you need some therapy now? Oh, oh gosh. When, uh, even the song "Popular" by Not a Surf made a cameo in our research. We'll we'll put a link to that one in the show notes for your mm. brain killing, <laughs> brain cell killing. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. gosh. But, but what's so funny is that, I mean, okay, so this idea of popularity, I'm sure many, uh, I, mean, I know I have, and I'm sure many of our listeners can, I look around themselves, you know, here in adult life and see a lot that is still kind of like high school, you know, even in the workplace, this whole idea of popularity. And uh, so ben, it's so bad. I think that <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Okay. So. During all the COVID stuff and, you know, everything that was going on, we're like, well, let's let's go see what's trending. Oh, on, this was depressing. On Google. And I've, I've done this before and, it you know, what? But it's basically a bunch of Kardashians and sports stuff, which sports no. aren't going on. So I guess sports nuts are just, you know, the Jones and the, like some guy on a paleo diet that's just like smelled a snicker bar. And. <laughs> <laughs> um so i i i guess gosh i i don't i don't know but let's you know so no. today we're going to talk about in this episode you know what popularity is and how it relates to the workplace mm -hmm. all right we all know that it's there how do people achieve popularity and what happens if you are popular so Hey, if, if you're one of the fortunate few that just walks on the clouds, well, what the heck, what, what should you do? Or what, what's your world going to look like from the evidence, right? And, and then finally, what does popularity have to do with flourishing in life? That's right. That's right. So why don't we just dive right into that first part, which is what popularity is and how it relates to the workplace. And I think the first thing to think about is just about how many informal relationships we have at work. You know, a lot of times we think about how our our work and our organizations are structured. And we think about that little org chart with the little boxes and the little lines that connect everybody. And, you know, if I ask an executive to say, hey, you know, draw me your organization, they'd probably reproduce something like that. And yet so much of what actually happens at work is in that white space and is in terms of these informal relationships that we have at work, the, the friends we have, 
the enemies we have, the alliances we form, the coalitions we we form, and the cliques that that emerge, the frenemies, right? The yeah, people... frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> what a term, right? I know. Yeah. So these people who uh, you know we're friends with, but you know we also have kind of this uh, tension of of maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of enemy going on there too. So. You know, this is a thing at at work, and it is a thing in adult life, of course. Uh, we see this. There is certainly a status hierarchy uh, in terms of popularity, both in the workplace, uh, in our social life, and so forth. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I think it gets better, maybe, or you, you have more control over who you associate with after you leave high school, but but it is still there. Uh, so it's, it's something that I think is relevant. Yeah. And it's, gosh, this, so I'm glad we're doing this topic, but this topic is really weird. What, what if you're lactose intolerant and you're forced into a discussion on the best flavor of ice cream, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what the heck? I know that's kind of how it feels like, cause on the one hand, I don't give a rip about this stuff. Right. Right. And on the other hand, gosh, darn it. It's like I'm lactose intolerant, but I have to like eat and talk about ice cream, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because you'll hit you'll hit a consulting engagement. Right. Let's just say. And um, and we do culture work and interpersonal stuff. But sometimes it's just like, man, we got to get your costs under control here. And and look, you know, there's not some governance in here, but then you got to wade through all this popularity social stuff just to get to the goods. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be, that can be annoying. Actually, right. So. Right. Well, so we're going to pull from uh, so there's, it's interesting because there's a lot of research on popularity, but most of that research, almost all of it has to do with uh, childhood and, you know, kids in school, um, you know, primary school, middle school, high school and so forth. And, you know, in groups and out groups and so forth that develop there. Um, Cynical people are like, yeah, the losers grew up to get PhDs and what makes you popular. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I'm going to write about why I wasn't cool. I really want to know. You know, um, <laughs> but, <there laughs> but as we talked about, this does relate to the workplace and there's actually, you know, the, not a whole lot of research that's been done on popularity in the workplace that, you know, the, the, really the two most helpful articles that we found out in the literature on this, as it relates to pers- or popularity and the workplace, um, the, the first one was an empirical study, uh, published in the journal of applied psychology, uh, is written by Brent Scott and Tim Judge. Um, and you know that was about you know the popularity contest at work. And then uh, a few years later, Brent Scott published uh, in Organizational Psychology Review, and of course we'll post links to both of these in the show notes, but he published a review article. And, and for those of you who aren't um, aware and reading this stuff all the time, kind of like we are, a review article is where they try to consolidate all the research and say, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, and here's what you know research should look at in the future, basically. And maybe they put together some sort of um, model or some sort of idea to um, to try to try to further the research on it. And so Brent Scott published this in the Organizational Psychology Review, and it's called a conceptual framework for the study of popularity in the workplace. And so we're going to pull from both of those. 
And what's interesting is, you know, being popular does seem to have some benefits for the popular person, right? Um, if you are popular. <laughs> it's certainly better than Talking. being un unpopular, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right. You know, so if you are popular, uh, it is, you, you tend to find your job a little bit more satisfying, which makes sense, right? Surprise. It, yeah. Surprise. I mean, if you, if you go to work and everybody, um, you know, uh, is kind of obsequious in your presence, right? I mean, I think you probably, um, you yeah, know, that's not a very popular word, Ben. <laughs> 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 I just failed the popularity test. Uh, yeah, just put that on your long list of popularity yeah. failures, right? <laughs> Th throwing out SAT words, right? Oh um, my gosh, we're so yeah. in trouble on this episode. Oh my gosh, yeah, we're, this, this, we are. We are really just kind of like you know, with a flashlight looking in the dark, looking or, you know, because we don't we don't know what popularity really is because yeah, we haven't experienced it. But um, <laughs> the, the, um, but popular people at work also, they get, people help them more. It's like, you know, not only are they a little yeah, bit more the satisfied. Yeah, da the data shows. Yeah. They're satisfied. People try to help them. They do. Which, which why? They already got it on a silver platter. What, uh, what, are, you, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. So we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's people do kind of form these ideas in the workplace about who is or who is not more popular, right? So there's been research looking at, do people actually agree on who the popular person is? And it turns out they, they kind of do. Um, and, I, and I would assume that this, this would vary by workplace, by culture, and so forth, right? Um, we've been in organizations, this is just anecdotally, we've been in organizations that are, you know, very healthy in terms of their culture. People work together well, um, you know, people get along, even if they're not friends, they build a collaborative alliance with each other and they work forward um, on things together. And we've also been in organizations on the flip side that are full of, full of clicks, right? Where it's right. like this little group has their little ringleader and they, they, they do things together and they kind of have, uh, you know, their own agenda and they stick together and there's this other faction that develops and so forth. Um, so people do agree about who is who is and who perhaps is not as as popular. Uh, and this is like the old 90s. I don't even know if this website exists, but there is like some version of the hot or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know, this, I remember hot or not. Yeah. Right. The P, numbskulls would upload their picture for self-flagellations. Uh -huh. Like if you knew you weren't hot, you still put your picture up there. Oh. I never did. But <laughs> yeah, some people and it's like, am I am I a four or a seven? Yeah, which is so. Uh, it's horrible, and that was just obviously based on on appearance and so forth. But you know, um, that's my whole popularity. You know, we were talking about lactose intolerance. This is I'm just going to use the phrase popularity intolerance. <laughs> that, that is such garbage. And if you have kids, right? Yeah, you know they're going to have to navigate this landscape, and then you, you you reflect I... back on it, and you're like. This is stupid. It's yeah. Stu <laughs> well, and, again, and really, I mean, especially when you're a kid, it can be really, really tough to deal with, you know? It, like, if your kid maybe is getting picked on by others or, you know, if you realize that, hey, you know, my kid probably isn't really the popular kid and it's, you know, uh, really, you know, they're struggling with that. And they realize it. It's it's very tough. And so if we go back to, you know, high school or, or wherever, ugh, um. Yeah, and then they just say, as much as I'd love to just 
get on my high pedestal, put on my cardigan and say, <laughs> this popularity stuff is beneath me. I, I choose, I bury not my head in the sand, but my head in the clouds, right? <laughs> you, you can't do it because research shows this has just as much, if not more of an influence on our work lives. Right. So if you're an intelligent person who's tried to bury their head in the clouds, right? Yet you can't. You're gonna have to take a look at it. So yeah, it's the, there. It's there regardless of whether or not you believe it's there, right? You you can you can try to will it away or ignore it, but it is there. And and everybody knows. And so that's why the research shows like, if you survey everybody in a workplace, everybody knows about the level. You know, if you did on what one to ten, you know, oh well, Billy's a seven. <laughs> right. You know, like everybody's going to be, well, I had him at a 6.8. Okay. Close yeah. enough. Right. Everybody <laughs> kind of knows. So despite the fact that I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit, let's go back to high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, so, <laughs> and you can think back to those experiences and, and, uh, you know, either thing I, 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 I actually enjoyed high school, uh, to a large degree. Uh, but you know, um, Such a weirdo, God! <laughs> that's why I'm working but, with you. That's right. Um, you know, and, and this all goes back to some of the fundamental needs that we have as humans. Um, you know, now of course we all vary in the in the amount that these needs drive us, but uh, to some degree, we all have some needs for social approval. We we do kind of judge how we're doing in life based upon the reactions we get from the people around us. So we develop these needs and we have these needs for social approval. This happens early in life. And you can think about it from, kind of from an evolutionary psychology perspective, right? That this happens for a reason, right? It helps us understand how to work with each other, how to work in groups. Uh, it, it helps us understand what's appropriate and what's not to some extent. That's kind of the positive view of it. Of course, there's negative aspects. Um, but this need for social approval it continues to some extent later on in life. Now, of course, as you move through life, you have the ability to become much more selective about the people with whom you associate to some degree, uh, you know, socially for sure. Uh, you know, in the workplace, you know, kind of, um, you know, you're, but you're not, you know, stuck in high school with the same people in the same class forced together all the time. So you do have a little bit of control there, but you do have still these needs for social approval. Right. And, and so this is where, you know, my popularity and tolerance flares a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you have control of your social circuit. It's like, oh, well, I can't be popular in this group. So I'm going to go join the secret comic book Dungeons and Dragons Club slash, you know, GeoCities archive website. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to get super esoteric here. You know, it's like, hey, man, I am big. I'm a big freaking deal in this subset of five people on mm -hmm. the internet. Right. Right. And, and, and then I, and then you're like, Oh, well, I just found, I kept going until I found a place I could be popular. Well, I mean, that's just like a moving game of chess and, yeah. and that's my popularity and tolerance just says, okay, it's super important. We have data that shows it, but really you're kind of building your house on the sand here a little bit. Right, right. We'll talk about that a little bit more, I think, later in the episode. But, you know, there are there are certain dangers, of course, with uh, basing your 
self-esteem, your view of self-worth completely on how other people view you, right? That is not a very healthy way to go through life. So um, let, let's kind of do a little definitional work here. And uh, yeah, from yeah, the literature, yeah, not, not from, shooting from the hip. Yeah. From the literature. Uh, <laughs> we're just proving how totally unpopular we are this, this episode. Um, from the literature, uh, popularity. This is from that um, article by Brent Scott in Organizational Psychology Review. And the way he defines popularity he says, popular, and I'm quoting, popular individuals are defined as those who are socially preferred and socially visible, such that they are liked by many, i.e. a majority, of their peers, and receive disproportionate amounts of social attention from others. You know, it, so it's it's interesting. Um, and, and I've I've heard some you know research. And I think you know some of this comes from uh, you know anthropology and other types of uh, disciplines. Just how humans are fairly different in that even like you know the way that our eyes are constructed. Um, you know, we can very easily you know, for example, you know, the, the white parts of our eyes are a little bit more prominent than on, on, in other animals, right? So we can very easily tell who is looking at whom. We can tell where people's eyes are focused. And, uh, you know, we can tell who is getting more attention than others. You know, if you, and, and even, you know, uh, from a very early age, we can pick who are those people who that people are looking at, who are, who's receiving that social attention. And those are the popular people. Um, you know, so, what's interesting though is these popular people they receive kind of this social attention they have this visibility they don't necessarily reciprocate that positive behavior back to other people though you know yeah yeah so i i've got a friend group here on my street that's awesome and we go mountain biking together and stuff and we hang out together and um you know you look at the pecking order of popularity and it it's to that point, it's not necessarily the nicest person mm -hmm. is at the top. And and so this popularity thing is like, and it, not in my friend circle, there's no real douches in my friend circle, but you know, <laughs> the most popular person can be the biggest douche out of everything. And, and why? Like you'd think, you'd think that, you know, if, if you're on a plane anymore, post uh, 9-11, if some guy stands up with the gun, everybody's bum rushing him, right? right. We, the, that the time of oh, I wonder what's going to develop here. Is, <laughs> but we don't we don't think that crap anymore. Mm -hmm. But now it's like it's funny because you're in a circular uh, circle, uh, social circle, like in your community or somewhere, and why isn't the nicest person most popular, right? And so sometimes that douche is in that that place of popularity. I don't understand why does the group of plebeians bum rush the terrorist right mm -hmm. I, I just i don't know popularity and tolerance flaring up <laughs> yeah you know so but it's not all all gravy for the popular people because and we'll talk about a little bit more of this um later too but you know one thing that's important to mention is that they are also the recipients of jealousy and some antisocial behavior right because people you know, they kind of resent it sometimes if this person is the popular person, right? Or they're getting all the attention. Um, and so, you know, if you perhaps are the popular person, uh, you know, you need to realize that this is going to develop perhaps. Uh, and it really can contribute, unfortunately, to some of these in-group and out-group dynamics in an organization. Now, could you have the case where perhaps like, you know, a leader in an organization 
is really smart, is really competent, shows an enormous amount of consideration for everyone else around them, is truly a phenomenal person. Would that person also be popular? Probably, right? And and that's not a bad thing. That person is going to have a lot of kind of social capital and um, and and a lot of power, really, because of uh, their popularity and you know for good reasons. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I mean, it, but, it but, is what it is. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know that you have like a, an allergic reaction to the word popular, but um, you know, you could you not imagine a person who is who is uh, popular and also an amazing person? Oh yeah, it, it, they're out there, right. and it, it's it's good. It it's just the value that people put on yeah. that, right? Well, and I think sometimes that you know what a, you know if a person is is popular. And, and and they're popular without even trying. Like they're popular for the right reasons. You know, I think that's maybe a, one way to think about it too, right? So, and that, I think that only develops in in, in healthy uh, groups and healthy organizations. But I know. So, like when I was deployed to Afghanistan, I had some soldiers that weren't popular. Matter of fact, uneventful, kind of unknown. Mm-hmm. But they did such critical work that nobody else would want to do. Yeah. And kind of thanklessly, and they just did it because of the substance of their character and and then you and look that, at and some, that's fantastic yeah yeah and so it's just i don't i just get really wary of being derailed mm-hmm. by popularity right and and looking at life through that lens which i feel like so many people are distracted and that's a, that's a one of the primary lenses they use yeah yeah Okay, so why don't we move now and talk a little bit about, you know, why do or how do people achieve popularity? Um, what happens if you if you are popular, right? So we've defined popularity as being this kind of combination of uh, social attention and social visibility, uh, being socially preferred. Um, you know, so let's let's talk now about what does social science, what does uh, the theory t- suggest about what makes someone popular? Well, you know, the prototypically. Yeah. <laughs> people. So, yeah, have... so the first, the first uh, I mean, it, it's this idea of prototypicality, right? Right. Um, which is a, another big, big, huge word, right? That um, basically says that this is a person who embodies those uh, kind of stereotypical characteristics of the group, right? So they... They uh, represent the group in a special type of way that makes them socially attractive and consensually liked. Yeah, this is an idea. Was was Winston Churchill a good leader? And I don't know. Every it seems like people flip flop on the guy every three to five years. <laughs> you know, he's popular. He's not popular. You know, I don't. The whole idea. What did Winston Churchill carve his way up to the top? through the substance of his person, despite the environment that was around, or was he selected by the group of people because he represented some kind of consensus about what that leader should be? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that, you know, the great man theory versus the kind of leader follower situation match type yeah. theory. Yeah. So, I mean, you can think of prototypicality, for example, you know, in high school, if we want to go back down that rabbit hole, um, and maybe even we go back to the Not A Surf song popular. What, what does it mean to be prototypical? And if you go back to that song and look at the lyrics, right, there's this refrain uh, that says, you know, I'm head of the class. I'm popular. 
I'm a quarterback. I'm popular. My mom says I'm a catch. I'm popular. <laughs> I, I'm I'm never picked la- last picked. I got a cheerleading chick. Okay, so uh, these are all kind of prototypical um, characteristics of 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 what it means to be popular, at least in that context. And so you know that's kind of one way for us to think about it. Now, in in some healthy groups. What what might be prototypical is hey this person is is you know works really hard maybe they are um, you know particularly competent uh, they care about other people right and you you can imagine that there are groups in which that would occur as well uh, now I think just in general some people uh, there's kind of individual differences here right so some people may be more adept at trying to be popular. They kind of read those cues and and do things. And, and they also maybe just care enough to try to be popular. Yeah. So there's this essay, Ben, that I shared with you some time ago, and this isn't evidence-based. This is just this guy waxing eloquently on his observations, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's called Why Nerds aren't popular or something like that. What, <laughs> what, what was the name of that? I think, yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, one of the, one of the questions he posits there is, um, well, because nerds don't care enough. Mm-hmm. And so if you went to a nerd and say, Hey, would you trade 10 IQ points to be the most popular person? And like, I'd never do it. I mean, I'd ask our listeners out there, email us. If you're like, yes, I would trade 10 IQ points to be the most popular person. I, I'd be surprised if we get any emails, right? right. And, but there's some well, people. We, we don't get emails anyway, because we're not popular. <laughs> That's baloney. We get emails. We do. So, um, so the deal is, is okay. Like if you, I mean, right. This is just, you just have to make conjecture here. If you're looking at how things, everybody's trying to kind of win something in this life. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you can you know, what did, what did one of the sergeants say to me when we were doing pushups is, you know, we, we'd screwed up something in the army during training and we're doing pushups. And it's like, if I can't be smart, I'll at least be strong. Right? <laughs> and some people it's like, if I can't be smart, at least I'll be popular or yeah, some of that yeah. kind of stuff. But some people are just, you know, like everybody has gifts. Some people just have a gift of navigating that social Space. Right. And some people, you know, may have the ability to be popular, but they just don't care enough to try. Like that's not what they are focused upon. Yes. Right? And 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 that you have to be honest with yourself. Don't care enough to try or despite your best efforts, you quit and now <laughs> devoted yourself to the history of Paleolithic pottery, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll win another way, you know. <laughs> you know, so for example, you know, what would this pot you know, we've done a lot of thinking about this podcast. We really care about the content we're trying to put out there and we we have an, you know, an intentional path that we're on. So, you know, one thing we've wrestled with is, you know, how do we um, kind of craft a brand and so forth around this podcast? We, and what we thought about when preparing for this episode is what would this podcast look like if we were only focusing on popularity and, you know, taking this idea of prototypicality, you know, well, we would probably do something that was very prototypical of the quote unquote business gurus out there, right? Yeah, we would, like, like mindfulness and quinoa. 
um, a thoughtful executive's <laughs> guide to <laughs> success. Or, 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 you know, we would, we would, do, you know, so some people said, Hey, you need to do like 10 minute episodes. And we're like, mm, well, you can't really unpack meaningful things in 10 minutes. Uh, that's yeah, this, not... this is the thing. Like, so Cosmo does the, you know, sex and relationship tips mm-hmm. or, or allure. I don't know. What are the magazine? I, I used to see those things when I was in high school, whatever you subscribed to all of them. Yeah, they were great, you know. But then O Magazine <laughs> came out, and I was only Oprah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, if a if a tweet-long sex tip cured your libido woes, like, we wouldn't have all these therapists running around. Yeah, yeah. Right? If, if there's, like, five easy steps to business, got it. You know, gosh. Yeah, e- yeah. Everybody wants that quick fix, right? So, uh, you know, if we were only focusing on popularity here with the podcast, we probably would have... You know, topics like five ways to be amazing at work or how to drive results with less effort, you know, how to be a millionaire without even really trying or things like that. And, um, you know, because that's kind of what the, the characteristics that the, the of what, um, you know, people out there are are really trying to seek. Right. So um, obviously and, and, we're and not taking at, that path. Look at Jack Welch, because right. GE was so successful. Right. And so everybody said, well, let's go look at Jack. I mean, mm-hmm. what did Jack do? Be like Jack. And and now the literature has shown so much of the things about his leadership that were so popular and lionized at the time mm-hmm. were crap from yeah. the literature. You know, firing the bottom. What percent? I mean, I can't even I think remember. it's like the bottom 10 percent. Yeah. Like the whole force distribution thing. Yeah. yeah. And like and so this is garbage. So I. If you got somebody out there that's written a book and there there's a lot and you know I know some of these individuals that have published books and they they're doing their own podcasts and you know they get the TED mic that comes off their ear to their mouth that's that's how you know you've arrived. So <laughs> so buy one of those to practice in the mirror with, right? Um all right, you think you got this stuff? Let's um go through your thoughts on business and management and put you to scrutiny of a set of research peers mm-hmm. most of these guys it's gonna be like a freaking pinata with a water you know soaked in water they're just just gonna fall to crap but people and i don't know i don't understand why if it was that easy then everybody would get there right right and and i don't know why people latch onto that and continue to buy it and so it's monetizable but that's a place that like i don't give a rip about being popular in that way right right now, getting back to just popularity in general, in groups, at the individual level, uh, there are some other individual differences that play a role in popularity, one of them being physical attractiveness. Um, you know, popular- I'm never going to get there myself. <laughs> <laughs> but there actually is also an anti-attractiveness bias, um, you know, so that you want to be the right amount of ugly for future right. success. Well, I mean, you could, it, so, so it could create kind of an in-group where people are, you know, they find this person attractive and they kind of want to be like them and they, they view them as popular. But then there's people who are kind of like, you know, jealous or don't, you know, find that, that that's repulsive, right? Um, you know, so there's uh, also some personality components here. So people who are more emotionally stable, um, have a higher level of extroversion, are somewhat agreeable, uh, behave in some pro-social ways, right? Those types of things 
can lead to a little bit more popularity. This is low on the neuroticism if you're yeah. a Big Five fan, right? That's right. That's right. So, okay, so we've talked about kind of what popularity is, um, how someone becomes popular through this process of being prototypical of the group, kind of being that, you know, they're looking the part. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with, with some of that, right? Um, you know, if you're going to be the head of an organization and you're going to be very visible, like, yeah, you probably should get a haircut once in a while or, you know, those types of things. Um, don't wear a tutu to announce your quarterly results probably unless not. you're a ballet company, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to, you know, I had to do a, a big talk once and, um, you know, this was actually in the military. So I was, um, uh, there was going to be about 300 of my peers and, uh, you know, people who are senior to me, people who are junior to me, uh, in this audience. And I, and I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what? I think I need to get it. I knew what uniform we were going to wear. And I was like, I probably need to get a new pair of pants, just some that like fit a little bit better and so forth. And so I made, been, I made been eating too many tacos, yeah, huh? but, but I made sure <laughs> yeah, or, or, or maybe working out a little too much. Uh, that's what I think. Um, so, you know, I, I made sure that I did that beforehand because I wanted to kind of, you know, present myself in a way that was appropriate. I think that that's good. I think that's okay. Um, so well, let's talk about some outcomes of popularity. We've already mentioned a few of these, but it seems like people who are popular, the research shows that they, uh, they tend to be the recipients of more of these organizational citizenship behaviors, uh, that we've talked about in a prior episode, these helping behaviors, people tend to help them more because they want to be like them. They want to be liked by them. Uh, they also receive some fewer counterproductive work behaviors, um, which, you know, could be helpful. They, they, people are like a little bit less likely to, to you know, uh, stymie your efforts. Right. Yeah. I mean, we organize this way. It's just part of our wiring as humans. So yeah. get used to it. Right. And it also can be a source of power um, as, as a person, kind of per personal power, um, what we call referent power. Uh, so, you know, as a person, you can, you can have power that comes from your expertise. You can have power that comes from, you know, people liking you and wanting to be liked by you and wanting to identify with you. And so that can be a source of power for you. Uh, you may though become a target, you know, you become more visible. Uh, you may become a target of social undermining because not everybody that likes it. That Francis is just getting too big for his britches. Let's get him, girls. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, or exactly. Yeah, going after people, um, you know, saying, you know, this person is is doing fine. They don't need my help anymore. I don't really, you know, want to contribute more to their success or popularity, that kind of thing. Um, it also can, you know, one outcome of popularity, those people who are more popular tend to emerge more as leaders within groups because they kind of feel comfortable in that role. Uh but, you know, there are some some downsides here uh, of, of being popular. And, you know, the first one is that you are really under the microscope, you know, because you are, you know, you're popular because you are socially visible, but that also can have its downsides in and of itself. Yeah, that's the whole, like, you know, I don't ever hear this. I'm sure it's probably in the literature somewhere, that whole imposter syndrome. Oh, mm -hmm. I just so fearful. Well, some people are flipping imposters. <laughs> you know, they they wrote the popularity um, card all the way to an executive position that their um, intellectual and technical abilities can't write checks at that level. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they're terrified. They're under the microscope. Right. They're possibly an imposter. 
people talk about the popularity. Now, you know, if you're a Kardashian or something, um, you know, you like the gossip meal, right? Mm-hmm. That that's that's something. So I've got some friends and clients that work out in the industry in LA, and they were at this one um, you know, in the film industry, television film. So they're out there at this happy hour and um they're just sitting there drinking and then all of a sudden there's this this big mob comes in and it's Britney Spears Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Britney Spears just starts dancing and there's like no music playing and then all the people are taking pictures oh she's dancing at this party well this was just a cameo moment it had nothing to do because they wanted oh well Britney Spears is out navigating these parties target of gossip so you hmm. know, gossip's not always bad. It can fuel the popularity. You know, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, eating a chicken head on his concert it a, stage. It was a, it wasn't a, it was a, it was a he, I think he did a pigeon and then he did like a bat, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's yeah, crazy. I can't so, remember. So, 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 uh, <laughs> so, you know what? Someone needs, someone needs to test Ozzy because Ozzy bit the head off of a bat and he did not get coronavirus, right? <laughs> oh my God. I don't think so. <laughs> we need to test that guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to unpack all the problems with that statement. But (laughs) anyway, so, you know, another downside, though, of being popular is there it's a lot of work, right? You you have to if if you are popular and, you know, this is kind of hardwired into you, perhaps you are seeking that social attention, seeking that social visibility and you're you're trying to remain at the top of that pecking order and this can be a lot of work you're you're buying the right clothes you're driving the right car you're saying the right things you're showing up at the right parties all of those types of things what a what a silly world right yeah it's yeah what i uh... I mean, and and, and, it, and it's funny. And this is, this is a dynamic. You know, I thought about making this YouTube video called Parents Lie to Kids, a YouTube channel, and just go through all the lies that parents tell their children. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, it, in my consulting career, right? But um, like one of the lies that I was told is popularity contests don't matter. Mm. And and they shouldn't. You look at your kids and, and say your kid's getting... And I don't, haven't had to face this because my kids are still quite young yet. But, you know, what if one of my children are unpopular or the, you know, punching bag of the school as, as mm. insecure preteens, teens figure out their place in the world? Yeah. Well, you, you feel horrible. Yeah. And you're like, that's that's ridiculous. It's silly. It's stupid. And, you know, really the best advice my parents could have gave me is like, get used to it. It's that way all the way till you die. (laughs) 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 Surprise, life stinks. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But but right. We have data and research to say that this is important. Pay attention. And we can't bury heads in the clouds or the sand on this. Mm -hmm. But if those very popular people. If they start to slide from grace because maybe they don't manage gossip in a good way or mm. um, they're under the microscope and they can't write those checks and the, or, the organization they're leading, um, you know, falters, um, they can oftentimes engage in unethical behavior. Right. Because right? for them, well, what would I do if I'm not popular? Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know, crochet and Dungeons and Dragons, you know? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that temptation 
to to engage in unethical behavior when they perceive some threats to their popularity, when perhaps someone is encroaching upon it, um, they they may do some things that aren't right. So definitely some some benefits to being popular, definitely some downsides. Uh, but you know, to bring this all, you know, pull this up into some sort of meaningful um, idea, I think we need to think about. I think it's important to think about what does any of this have to do with flourishing in life? I mean, this podcast, you know, what we're trying to do here is to explore human flourishing at work and beyond. And beyond. And beyond. And, you know, popularity is part of life. It's something that happens. It exists in the workplace and has some meaningful outcomes there as well. And so, you know, the big picture here is what does it have to do with, with flourishing? And, uh, where, you know, I think one way to think about it is, you know, this is something I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I think it's definitely worth mentioning here, um, is going back to Adam Smith, uh, you know, the, the father of, of modern economics and, you know, the, uh, uh, people oftentimes consider him the, um, kind of the founder of capitalism, um, because he, he was the author of, uh, you know, the wealth of nations. And, uh, but he actually wrote another... Definitely a popular historical character. <laughs> oh, well, well I, for sure. He, he is, he is. And, uh, but what's interesting is that people also, uh, who don't know better will oftentimes associate, oh, Adam Smith, he's all about just like, you know, Gordon Gecko, greed is good type stuff. And that's, couldn't be, that, that's very, that's a very unfair characterization and inaccurate. Um, he actually wrote another book, which is, uh, which is fantastic, um, which is called the Mor- the theory of moral sentiments, and in there he explores you know some of these dynamics of of human behavior. And one thing he suggests, which I think has a lot of merit and is relevant here, is that he he says that, and I quote: "Man naturally desires not only to be loved but to be lovely." Right. So I'll say that again: Man naturally desires not only to be loved but to be lovely. And what's interesting about that is is you kind of break that apart. So, you know, we want to be loved. We want people's admiration. We want people's respect, um, you know, and, and you know, we, we probably value respect and admiration from different people differently, you know? So if, if someone who I don't have a lot of respect for respects me, then I don't really care. But if it's someone who I, I want their mutual respect, then that's important to me. But we also generally want to deserve that admiration and respect. That's the lovely part. Uh, we don't kind of want it for free. Um, in order to be fulfilled. And, you know, he goes on, Adam Smith does, to describe how, you know, there's kind of two paths toward being loved and lovely. And one is through, you know, going after fame and fortune. Uh, and that's kind of the popularity route. Uh, and, you know, he, he talks about the the benefits and downsides to that. And he says, you know, there's another path, though, which actually is better. And that is through the path of virtue. Being a virtuous person will also make you loved and lovely um, and make you kind of popular in this different type of way, which I think is much more closely aligned with human flourishing. Yeah. So when, when I was in school, I, I always joke, I was more notorious than popular. (laughs) (laughs) The notorious Chris Everett. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, I was really big into guitar, played a lot of rock, jazz, guitar, all that kind of stuff. You know, I started the pep band uh, in high school that was really popular, and at least I thought it was. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, big into computers and programming. 
I, I played Ross Perot as a kind of like gadfly during the mock debate we had at school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just and so, you know, even I, I, I almost felt like my peers didn't know what to do me. What do you do with this guy that's like just so into this stuff? And so I actually did have a, I think, a begrudging respect. Like there wasn't mm-hmm. anybody that wouldn't talk to me. Um, but it wasn't like I was first called to the keggers in high school, which, you know, underage drinking sounded really lame to me, actually. <laughs> it is lame. Um, <laughs> for sure. Save yeah. that booze for the people with real stress in their life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The adults. Goodness. <laughs> um, you know, so I think one thing that we can take away from this, you know, kind of building on Adam Smith's idea here that man naturally desires not only to be loved, but to be lovely is that, you know, if you take a shortcut to popularity, if you do this at the expense of other people, uh, if you step on others, as you do it, you maybe engage in some unethical behavior, it likely won't either won't work out or maybe it will work out, but it's not going to feel good in the long run. Yeah. I mean, unless you're some kind of, psychopath right sociopath <laughs> yeah yeah if you don't feel anything okay th- this this but, doesn't but apply yeah, but if but... you're a, a, a real beating heart human this should matter and will eat you alive in the long run right and i mean i think just uh and i don't think there's any kind of comprehensive research on this topic because it'd be kind of hard to get get these data but you know when we look at um you know people who are who are popular in in terms of you know music stars or, you know, movie stars, those types of people uh, who are kind of always on the path towards seeking more of this. Um, it's, it's a never ending treadmill of trying to, you know, maintain visibility. You know, what are people saying about me on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's not fulfilling in the long run because it's a losing battle. You're, yeah, I got to tweet just enough, but not too much because yeah. I'm overexposed. But then I get, and then I'll hire yeah. social media consultants so I can. Uh, 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 did I hire the right social media consultants to keep me popular? I, 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 uh, <laughs> uh. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, you know, I think there's um, you know people who were like childhood movie stars. You know, uh, definitely was a struggle for them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of examples of that, and so. Uh, you know, seeking popularity in and of itself is probably not the best path. Um, it, it, it because it is a never-ending, exhausting pursuit to always try to seek that as a goal. Right, but it's challenging because our, you know, and we talk about this book, The Chimp Paradox, all the time. But our inner chimps want social approval, mm-hmm. and so you have. You know, your rational part of your brain is like, this is crap. And then your chimp is like, but we want it. <laughs> My precious, right? <laughs> you go full golem for, yeah. for that ring that is a deception. Right. And and that's part of the, you know, the humor, I guess, the sick humor of of this life. And, and so you got to balance those things. That's right. Um, the other piece that we talk about is differentiation. Mm-hmm. And this is, are you other validated or self-validated? Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. So I live in Park City, Utah, and this place has, you know, definitely some born and raised people that have been here forever. But there's also a lot of people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. 
and they all came up in different social contexts. And it's kind of funny, at least I feel like I observe this. Um, when I look around, you know, you'll have like the jock who carved his way into sales and then became a super salesperson and, and made a bunch of cash or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you got, you know, the guy that started a restaurant, you know, as a line cook and then worked his way up and got an investor and started a, a full-blown restaurant. Um, and it's super successful and movie stars tweet about the restaurant. And then you've got like the Cisco consultant that's like high level on that. And all these guys have different social contexts and kind of what's popularity. And and you'll get together for some of these neighborhood get-togethers or like community get-togethers. You better not be doing those right now, though. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> social distance. Thankfully, people in my community are very much um, uh, pro-science on what you should be doing Good. right now. <laughs> but it's funny before, you know, all this stuff went down, we had to stay away. Watching people interact because, you know, somebody would be confident. Because in their group, they would be pretty freaking popular, right? Mm -hmm. But in a group where everybody has different rules, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah. how's, how's the kids, you know? Um, yeah. So this is the idea of like, so are you self-validated? You are okay with yourself. You are proud of who you become and all that kind of stuff. Or are you other validated? Do you only feel okay if other people feel okay about you? Yeah. And, and that like, so that's the context that you should start looking at it. That being said, recognize that your inner chimp is still going to want that pop. You know, if you found yourself marooned, and I got to send an email to Wizards of the Coast. That, so for people who don't know, that's the people that make Dungeons and Dragons, which is the quintessential nerd game, right? Yeah, so, I, I wasn't that nerdy. Or yeah. Isn't that technically more geeky than nerdy? Yeah, I don't. I don't no. It's weird because... You know, dragons and that kind of stuff used to be the ultimate nerd stuff. But now all the popular people watch Game of Thrones. And and so where do <laughs> nerds exist anymore? You got Harry Potter, Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's a, there's no they're being erased. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think you're, you, you, this point of differentiation is really important because I think yeah. there are people who I think so fuse their identity and their feelings of self-worth with how other people view them, where, you know, if someone's being a jerk to them, it just destroys their sense of well-being. It destroys their sense of who they are. And, uh, you know, the, we're all people are throughout our lives are going to, at various points, disappoint us. And if, if you are continually looking to them for your feelings of self-worth and validation, that's a losing game. It has to come from within. And, you know, if you do find yourself around a group that, you know, is, is uh, uh, you know, treating you poorly, well, probably time to find a different troop, right? A different tribe. Um, and I think another interesting point here that's important is, you know, do you really want approval from the people who you don't respect and admire? Well, yeah. And, and that's where you find, so somebody's had to live, you know, my dad was in the Air Force, so we moved. And sometimes I'd arrive and I'd look at the kids around me and I'd be like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. What what is this? You know, that's ridiculous. But I still wanted my inner chimp, right? Still wanted that approval. And that's one of those challenges. I don't know if anybody wants to be um imagine this. Hey, how, how do you feel about this? You'll be famous for eternity, but you'll have to be a completely unappreciated artist for your entire life with no friends, and your wife will leave you because you make no money. <laughs> but 
yeah, sign me up for, you know, right. I, I'll be popular for millennia after I'm dead. And, and right. I mean, that just doesn't feel good. And mm -hmm. but the other side of that is, do you just want a cotton candy admiration and fluff and then die and never be remembered? Mm. You know, and that I think everybody's going to have to decide, you know, some people's inner chimps don't need or have different needs for that amount of other validation. Right. Right. And, and you'll have to kind of use your thinker there to, to find a place that you can thrive. That's good for you and has that right blend. Right. And I think it's important to remember with this idea of popularity, you know, don't let your, a uh, uh, you know, seeking popularity or, or what you're doing in life. Don't let this be something that, that leads you down the path of, of you know, low integrity, right? Um, don't let this rob you of kind of your inner life and being the person that you want to be. Uh, that is not a path towards human flourishing. You know, the, the movie Wolf of Wall Street, did you watch that movie? Unfortunately. I, I couldn't finish it because it was just, it was, it was gross. And I've, yeah. I've met those kinds of people, but I remember the one part where he gets written up for basically being a criminal stock trade in his early days, right? In the mm -hmm. paper. And then the next day, people were banging down his door for jobs with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some people that are unscrupulous. I mean, we run into them, these uh, bandits, so to speak, out yeah. on the roads of life in corporate America all the time. Um, low integrity. We generally turn down consulting engagements with those people unless unless they come with a tear in their eyes. Like, I don't know how to be a good person. Okay, we'll, we'll help you out. <laughs> Any bandits out there, listen, don't call us. Yeah, we're going to say no. But, but you know, those are those things. If those bad decisions and lack of integrity, and you'll find people at the end of their lives, the CEOs and stuff that have ridden that wave, and they're broken. Mm. Uh -huh. um, and they've left a legacy of baloney for their kids and caused a lot of damage along the way. That's um, right. So don't don't have a lack of integrity. Yeah. And that's where it's really important, I think, to have some sort of North Star, some sort of compass in your life that you are latching onto and saying, these are the things that I value. These are my non-negotiables. These are the truths that I uh, hold to be uh, important for me. And, you know, if you do that, your friends will kind of self-select. You know, you will start to associate with, if you are true to those types of ideas, um, you, you will choose friends and they will choose to hang around you in a way that is productive. Uh, you know, and, and I think just don't don't go down the path of of sacrificing that for for popularity or for business sake. Um, you know, when things are unclear in those times of ambiguity, having clarity about your purpose really matters. Uh, and if that leads you towards popularity or if you become popular as a byproduct, hey, that's fine, right? Uh, but I think seeking popularity in and of itself is probably not the way to go. Yeah, it's it's a mirage. That's, that's where my popularity and tolerance, you know, do you want to be, you know, okay, so you find yourself stranded on Moron Island and you're with a bunch of jack wagons there and then you're like, okay, th this is what typifies the ideal jack wagon, right? <laughs> and then, then you crunch yourself into that box and you go through because because you care about pop. And then your most popular jack wagon. And then you're like, God, I'm such a jack wagon. <laughs> 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 yeah, like, 
yeah, I want to go to like uh, intelligent people island or or what whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean the the people the people you are around really do matter. You know, one thing we were talking about kids earlier. Um, you know, in terms of the whole idea of popularity and so forth, I think one of the best things that you can probably teach your kids, and there's some research to suggest this is true, is uh, you know helping your your kids understand and learn how to pick good friends. You know how how to pick those people who they want to associate with, those people who uh, lift them up, those people who help them aspire to be something better and and so forth. Yeah. So I remember as a kid, you know, my dad took a position in Alabama heading up a residency program or something like that. I can't remember Mm -hmm. what it was, but um, I remember having a conversation with this kind of evangelical circuit preacher guy and it's kind of interesting. And one of the things he wanted me to do was to not go to college mm. and come be mentored by him and his circuit preacher lifestyle or what. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, there's just no way I'm not going. To <laughs> I mean, he had this really anti-intellectual bend thing and he thought, uh. you know, oh, well, you'll be corrupted by the PhDs and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that, you know, by just having that value of education, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, handling snakes in rural Alabama or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or an- another piece was, you know, and I think this is the honor code or whatever for the Air Force Academy. I could have that wrong, but my dad used to say, you know, I'll neither lie, cheat, nor steal, nor tolerate those that do. Mm-hmm. And and that's that whole idea. And we saw that with um, Crozier. Is that how you say his name? The, yeah. um, you know, and I don't know everything that went under the hood there, but that's, this was that's, a... yeah, that's the, uh, the the guy who's the commanding officer of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Yep. Right. This is a case where he took his compass and followed it, and mm-hmm. and it cost him his command for a little while. Now he's getting reinstated, I think, is what I heard last, and um, I don't know if I, that's final, but yeah. Yeah, and I don't know everything that goes under the hood, but it, especially as you move up the executive ranks, um, there's not a playbook for what Facebook should do. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody has some opinions about Facebook, but for Mark Zuckerberg, he's going to have to have some kind of compass as he decides, right? You'll have to have that. So latch onto your compass early. It's not never too late to do it if you haven't. Your friends will self-select and the kind of business opportunities and life opportunities. It's definitely how I met Ben Barron here. Mm-hmm. Freaking love you, Jack Wagon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we're aligned on these ideas of integrity and how business should conduct themselves. And um, you, those your opportunities in your best life are going to flow out of that by latching on your compass, your friends self-selecting. And, and you'll have a way, a sail to sail you through that storm. That's right. And I think it's also important just to remember, you know, how you evaluate other people. Um, how do you know, you know, if someone is popular for the right reasons or the wrong reasons? And I think um, this is where it's important to just take some time uh, and try to evaluate people uh, over a course of their actions, right? Uh, by, by, by their works shall you know them, right? Or by their fruits shall you know them. What they do should tell you something about who they are. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time. So if you have a new leader in your organization or you're new to the organization, take some time to figure out, 
you know, what people really do and, or is it just kind of blustering and, uh, you know, are they, are they just trying to be popular? Uh, so take that, take that time to really understand the, the landscape before you, uh, you know, decide who you're going to associate with. Right. So there, there's personality disorders out there and we don't know all of the ins and outs from a psychology perspective of, you know, what causes this and all that, you know, it's, we don't have a full picture, but we know that some of this exists and there are people that have massively antisocial behaviors. Mm -hmm. These are people who will stab you in the back and make you feel like garbage. Um, there's this whole gamut of bad. I mean, we see them business psychopaths, you know, because sometimes business awards like certain amount of performance, but they don't care how much destruction is set behind those folks. Right. Um, so it takes a while for this stuff to emerge. So as you're interacting in the workplace and in your neighborhoods and communities, just kind of, you know, settle in and observe. Eventually, these personality problems will make themselves known, but it can take a while. So be wary about that going all in uh, on your your second date, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So why don't we uh, recap a little bit here? You know, today in the podcast, we focused on popularity and we tried to talk about how it relates to the workplace. Uh, we talked about what popularity is. We also talked about how people achieve popularity and uh, how they do that through this process of prototypicality, um, embodying those characteristics of the group and what happens if you are popular, some of the upsides and downsides. And then we wrapped up by talking about what, you know, this idea of popularity has to do with flourishing in life. Yes. And, and if you want to trend uh, popularity and tolerance on Twitter, I mean, so be it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.